0: That's <laughs> for How many remember that? I'm just out of curiosity. Okay. Some, some of you guys are wondering what just happened. So I showed you the whole song because if you have seen it before, if I hadn't shown you the whole song, you'd be trying to remember the rest of it in your head. Not to mention I wanted you to see those groovy clothes. So here's the premise of what's happening in the story in case you don't know it. So Greg, the guy in the really hip fringe, uh, he, needs, he gets $150 to cut a record uh, to get this money. Greg forms the singing group, of course, with his brothers and sisters, which is, take it from experience, that can be a disaster. Anyway, I'm just kidding. It's a joke. That was totally a joke. It was fine. So Greg comes up with this new song because Peter's voice is changing. So he comes up with this new song to accommodate Peter's changing voice uh, because he was going through puberty. If you don't know what that is, ask your parents when you get home. Uh, But the Bradys use that change, right, to their advantage to record this hit song, Time to Change. So that's what's happening there. So you probably heard this adage, maybe not, I don't know, but it's change is inevitable. How many of you have heard that before? Yeah, and so when we hear that, right, it's usually referring to change, like the advance of time and how uh, there's this part of change, maybe a negative change in the sense that relationships maybe don't always last that we would hope would, or uh, the simplicity of life that we enjoyed as children doesn't last because responsibilities come and we have to start adulting, right? So change is inevitable. It advances. We all grow older. There's another one. So one thing that we can count on is that change is going to happen. Change is always going to happen. But what about like the changes that we want in our lives, right? Because sometimes there are changes that you want to happen, changes that you want to make in your life. Uh, Why is it so difficult? And Maybe it's just me, but why is it so difficult for us to make Lasting changes, like the things that we really want to change for whatever reason seem like they're super difficult for us to do. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about relationships, connecting with others, the fact uh, that we're better together and how God designed us as human beings need for relationship relationships that change not only us, right, but other people for his glory. That's, it's sort of this dual thing. It's pretty neat how all of that works. And this dramatic change was taking place in the lives of God's people. And we've talked about this a lot, but it's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And I'm not going to read those to you again. We've read them three times, four times, right? So, uh, but the followers of Jesus were experiencing this radical change in their lives. Things were happening. It was an exciting time, but this change didn't happen in their lives by accident. And so I am going to point out something in that scripture. This change begins for them when they learn the truth. And for us, the same thing is true. If I can get this to work here. Peter Brady messed up my slides. There we go. Um, Change requires facing the truth. That's the first thing that we need to talk about today. Knowing the truth is a key component to any change that we want to make in our lives. And so in the case of these believers that we've been talking about in Acts chapter 2, just a few verses, we've read these already. But the first one is this, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Wouldn't that be cool? and then verse 46, and day by day attending the temple. These passages give us some clues about what, or better, I would say who the truth is. Ephesians 4.21 says this, if you really listened to him and were instructed about him, then you learned that since what is in Yeshua or Jesus is truth. Psalm 119, 160 tells us that God's word is truth. And then we jump over to John chapter 1. In the very beginning, like before John talks, says anything, he introduces Jesus, right? He introduces him as God's word, God's truth made flesh. And then later on in that same book there's this moment where Pilate uh, the guy that is in charge of uh, the Roman Empire at least in that segment of where they were they bring him to Pilate, they bring Jesus to Pilate because they're trying to find some way to accuse him. And so Pilate is interrogating Jesus, and this is later on in John chapter 18. And here's what Jesus has to say about himself. I think this is really interesting. Verse eight, or chapter 18, verse 37b. Jesus says, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice course we know the famous line that pilot rattles off after that well what is truth right but anyway we can't change anything in our lives whatever that change is whatever the change is that we want that we hope for we can't make any change until we know the truth and confront that truth in our lives And so in the case of what we're talking about right now, knowing Jesus through God's word is how we learn truth. And so here's just a few things to think about. Knowing Jesus changes, at least it should change everything for us. Uh, Knowing Jesus gives us a healthy view of what our relationship should look like. Knowing Jesus gives us a proper view of ourselves, right? Because we're all guilty of telling ourselves a lot of lies, at least mentally speaking. That inner voice that many times we often listen to, that critic, is usually the inner critic saying, well, you can't do that, or you're not good enough, or maybe that person doesn't really like you, or have you, all these things uh, that we say about ourselves. Well, knowing Jesus gives us the proper perspective of who we are, at least the way that God sees us, and the way that God desires for us to view ourselves as his sons and daughters. Uh, Knowing Jesus helps us overcome our weaknesses, which is a big part of change. Knowing Jesus gives us a proper perspective on our achievements, but also on our failures, right? And then knowing Jesus, of course, redefines our pasts and our futures, which is a big deal. What God says about these things, guys, is what's true. Not what we say, not what our emotions say, not what other people say, not what the latest self-help book might say, oh, there might be truths that are found in those places. But really what God has to say about these things is what's true. So do we know what God has to say about these things is the question, right? Do we really know? The Bible of course tells us that the truth will set us free and we only become complete when we embrace the truth of God's word. That's in Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Nothing's going to change in our lives until we face the truth and we find the truth in Jesus. So that's the first thing. The second thing about change is that change requires making a choice. There's a choice involved with change. Uh, Dreaming of change isn't enough. Hoping for change isn't enough. Desiring change isn't enough. There are lots of people in this world that want change, that hope for change, and that desire change, but yet change isn't happening for them because that's Where they've stopped. In order for us to change, we have to make a decision. We have to choose to change. In other words, you probably heard this before, but change is intentional. So some of the questions we might ask ourselves as we, things that we typically would want to change, right? Uh, Are we going to be healthier? Are we going to be less in debt? Are we going to have a better marriage? Are we going to have better friendships? Are we going to be happier? And I think even that one, a lot of times we feel like happiness happens to us. You know what I mean? Like I'm happy because of these surrounding things or I'm sad because of these surrounding things that are influencing my life. But the truth of the matter is happiness is found within, right, with Jesus and our view, our healthy view of how he sees us. Not about all these influencing factors, right, that we respond to. We have a choice in how we respond. That's what I'm saying. Change is intentional. Are we going to be more like God wants us to be? Are we going to look more like Jesus? So I can't predict the future, but I can tell you that what you desire for your future can only happen if you choose to change. It's only if you make a choice. Change is no accident. It requires a choice. Uh, Most of you are probably familiar with Rick Warren. He's a pastor at Saddleback Church. He's also an author. He's a pretty bright guy. And he has this to say about change. We have to make intentional choices in order to grow. There's no growth without change. There's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. If you're going to grow, you will have to change. And change means you let go of some old things in order to grab hold of some new things. I thought that was really good. You have to let go of some old things in order to grab hold of some new things. And so what that made me think of, are you guys familiar with uh, American Ninja Warrior? Has anyone watched that show before? I also like Wipeout, but that's more because it's funny. Um, (laughs) But American Ninja Warrior is fascinating to me. So if you're not familiar with it, uh, you have these competitors, and they're on this, basically this impossible obstacle course. Uh, Normal human beings can't do these things. Layla could rock this. You should totally do it, Layla. You would be awesome on American Ninja Warrior. And so you've got men, and you've got women who are in prime physical condition, and they're up pretty high. Many times, and they jump and they climb and they swing and they crawl to make it through the structure and to try and make it through as fast as they possibly can. And so, many of these challenges I would totally fail because they require contestants to support all of their weight while holding on to things in midair. I would fail. They do this, and all the while, they might be holding on to something, but there always comes a point where they have to swing or they have to reach for something else, and they have to let go of the thing that they're on to grab something else. It's part of the design of these courses. It's pretty insane. And if you don't let go of the thing you were holding, if you hesitate and lose your momentum, you're going to get stuck in the middle and you're going to fall. And it happens all the time, which is part of the reason people watch the show, right? If you don't let go, you're going to fall. You're going to get stuck in the middle. You won't make it to the other side. You are going to plummet. Not to your death. You're just going to fall, okay? So one of the many reasons, or one of the reasons I think that many of us keep falling in our lives is because we hesitate to make choice to change so the old habits that we have or the old hurts that we hang on to the hang-ups in our lives the obstacle course of our lives that results from uh, broken friendships the way that we've maybe been treated by other people experiences that we've had all these things They continue to hold us back because we won't let go of them, right? We have this view maybe that we're imprisoned by these things when the reality is we're actually holding on to these things. And so we have to let go of those habits. We have to let go of those ways of thinking so that we can grab on to new ways. You can't hold hold on to the old things and grab on to the new things of God at the same time, right? There's all this imagery In scripture of putting on, if you remember the time where I brought in the cloak and felt pretty cool for a minute there, like a wizard or something, I put on the cloak. The idea of putting on what God wants us to put on. Ephesians 22 talks about this a little bit. tells us that when we face the truth of Jesus, we're to throw off our old lives and our old ways of thinking. Put off your old self. So that's an action, right? That's not a allow it to happen. That's a you throw that off which belongs to the former manner of your life, the way that you used to be, who you used to be before Jesus, and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And so the choice to change starts with our thinking, right? It starts with what we think about these things and we think about ourselves. Philippians 2.13 says that we have to trust that it's God that's working in us and that he's going to basically get the job done. It says this, it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God doesn't make junk. God makes good things. And so part of this change is trust. Trusting in him, trusting that he's going to be there to help us when we let go of those things and that the things that we're grabbing out to hold on to, that he's going to be there to help us make that distance and make up the difference, right? So that's the second thing. And here's the third one, and this is the final one when it comes to change. Change requires taking a step. One of the most profound changes that we see in all of scripture is in the life of Paul. And so most of you guys are probably familiar with him. Paul was a well-educated man. Uh, he knew a lot. He was full and full of knowledge. He knew not only um, lots when it came to uh, Jewish background and Torah study and all those things, but he also had a lot of knowledge when it came to the Greek side of things. He was uh, really the perfect man to live in that world at that time. He was an associate of all the religious leaders who were tracking down and persecuting the early uh, believers in Jesus. So Paul was a guy, in fact, he was one of the main guys. He wanted those early believers, those early Christians, if you want to call them that, he wanted them dead. And so later, In Acts, right? That's the book that we've been in, chapter two. Later in in, in chapter nine, Paul's on this mission. He's going to Damascus, and he's going to Damascus with a purpose. He has hopes of rooting out and imprisoning even more Jesus' followers. And so while he's on the road with his companions, a bright light shines around him, and here's what happens. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus just said stuff to that, like that to us all the time? Go, get ice cream. like Or whatever it was, Right. You will meet a man there, shake his hand, and he will give it to you for free. That would be pretty cool. But in the case of Paul, it was going to take something like this in order to make the change in his life that he needed to make. He literally was knocked off his horse. And as the story continues, Paul is blinded by this experience. His companions that were with him, they heard the voice, but they didn't see any of the things that were happening. And so Paul's blind. His companions lead him to Damascus, but his mission changes. The Lord sends a man named Ananias to lay hands on him and to heal his sight. But Ananias is afraid to go because Paul has a reputation, right? Right? I would be afraid to go too, but God assures Ananias that Paul is a big part of this plan that he has to take his good news beyond the borders of Israel to all people. So Paul is healed, and he spends time there with some of the followers of Jesus, and God opens his eyes literally, but also to the truth of Jesus and the impact that Jesus is having on the lives of all of these people which is such a cool thing. If you think about like just the testimony and how that impressed Paul enough to dedicate his life to what these people were pursuing. Like what would that look like if it were real for us? So much so that when people came in through these doors, the way that we loved and lived and treated each other, just like, I don't know what this is, but I want some of that, right? That's what's happening here. So Paul's with these people. And so Acts 9.24 says that when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. They're not a band. We're talking about the real disciples. He tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him. Again, because of his reputation, they thought it was a trick of some kind, which would have been a perfect trick if you think about it. They didn't believe that he really wanted to be a disciple. But there was a man named Barnabas, and Barnabas believed Paul. He believed him. He was seeing the evidence of what God was doing in his life. And so he befriends him and he vouches for him. He says, listen, let him join the club. I vouch for this guy. Okay. Basically is how it went down. He vouched for his passion for Jesus and the way that he witnessed him preaching the good news. So Paul of course spreads the word outside of Israel. He establishes communities of Jesus followers all over the Roman Empire. He ends up writing most of the second half of our bibles. His story is like one of the most dramatic changes that we have. And he's one of the most effective leaders in history. But I would suggest that all these steps are present in this journey, right? When Paul is confronted with the truth of who Jesus is in a pretty dramatic way, he has to make a choice, right? And he does. He chooses repentance, which means turning away from the life that he was living to follow Jesus. It's an action, right? It's going the opposite way. It's a brand new life for Paul. But here's the thing none of this would have happened if Paul hadn't taken a step. If Paul had simply stayed where he was on the ground, blinded, feeling miserable about it, none of this would have happened. If Paul got up and decided to retreat back to Jerusalem, he may have never changed. But in order to change, we have to face the truth. Then we must make a choice and then we have to take a step. So no matter what we wanna change in our lives, these steps are important. You really can't skip one of those steps. You gotta know the truth before you can make a choice to act. So let's say, for example, you wanna eat better. Right? And so every time you sit down to watch TV or a movie or whatever, that's when you end up making your poor choices and four Oreos turn into 12 Oreos or, you know, whatever. You can insert your own uh, thing there, right? So you want to change this. You decide, I'm going to change this thing. And so that change starts with facing the truth. And so uh, you know some things. You start to learn some truths about those moments. The first truth is this, that when you're in that moment, you make poor choices, And you end up eating things that are not good for you. And another truth is that that's probably not good for your health, right? Or my health. I'll speak for myself, right? So another truth is that self-control is important in the lives of people who follow Jesus. So we have all these truths. And now that we know the truth, we have a moment where we need to make a choice. We need to make a choice on whether we're going to uh, change or not. So we have to decide what's most important. Continuing to eat the things that we do and either feeling bad afterward or even letting habits control our behavior and i mean it doesn't have to be just food it can be anything right or we can choose to disrupt those habits and change the way that we do things in our lives and if you want things to be different you have to choose to change so we know the truth and we've chosen to change but none of those things matter unless we take a step right choose to take a step and actually do something about this. And so in our example, the step might be limiting when we eat snacks or whatever. Let's say, well, after 6 p.m., I'm not going to eat snacks anymore, or maybe setting an amount and sticking to it, or maybe prepping healthy things so that when that moment comes, there's actually something for you to grab that isn't Oreos or whatever. Or maybe your change requires a complete disruption. Maybe your change, it's not simply uh, the food that's involved here, but maybe it's dumping TV or whatever that thing is for a while and reading or finding some type of activity to engage your mind because the truth of the matter is the issue isn't the food. The issue is the boredom and your mind being numbed by what you're watching, whatever, see? So you have to know the truth, you have to make a choice, and then you have to take a step. Uh, most of you guys are probably familiar with Craig Groeschel. He's a, a great pastor uh, at Life Church. He's also an author, and here's what he says. I thought this was pretty good. If you want to be who you've always been, do what you've always done. If you want to change who you are, change what you do. Now he said this in the context of leadership, but I think it's true. Just this is just truth. If you want to be the same, if you want to look the same, have the same issues, all the stuff that you're grappling with right now, a year from now, then just keep going because you're doing great, (laughs) right? But if you're not satisfied with where those things are, if you don't like who you are, where you are, what's going on, you got to change what you do. Something has to change. Our relationship with Jesus, guys, empowers us to change for the better. Scripture tells us that God is working to conform us to the image of Christ. That's in Romans 8, 29. Now, here's the deal. Most of us don't like that word conform, do we? When we hear that word conform, there's something about it that makes us go, I wish that they'd chosen a different word. We have this mental image of cookie cutter. Assembly line, machine-stamped parts of robotic followers of Christ, right? When we think about the word conform, we picture carbon copy people that have no uniqueness to them. But that couldn't be further from the truth, right? God made each one of us as individuals, the way that we are. He didn't do that just so that he can make all of us the same. He did that because each one of us, he treasures, he has things. We're all different parts of this body, right? If we just take this community and we all have different roles in that, things that he is shaping us to do. And so I started to think about why that word bothers me. Because, again, anytime I'm preaching, I preach it myself first, just so you know. Why don't I like that word? And here's what I came to. Really, it's just my selfishness that thinks that. When I see the word conform in Romans and I bristle at it, it's because I'm selfish. Because I know how far I have to go to look like Jesus, more better than anyone else except for maybe God, right? I know how many things I need to let go of in order to grab onto the better things that God has for me. And how hard it is to do that. I know how much work that may require. Sometimes I talk with people and they'll say something to the effect of, well, you know what? I'm just waiting for God to, right? Insert word, phrase, sentence, dream, hope, right here in this little blank. I'm just waiting for God to. Or I'm just waiting for God to change this thing in me, we will say. But what if God's waiting for us to change? What if God already has a program going and he's just waiting for us to get on board with it? What if... You and I have everything that we need, and he's just waiting for us to take a step. Would you guys bow your hearts with me, please? So, here's what I'd like to do I've just got a few questions that I want you to consider, and then I'm going to give you some ways to respond to those questions today but before I do that I want to pray God thank you again for this day and I thank you that when it comes to change that your desire for us is to make us not only in the image of Savior but to make us the best us that we can be I thank you God that you are diligent in your work that you are skilled in your work and that you don't give up on us. So today, Father, I pray that you just continue to move on our hearts, and as we uh, confront these truths, and we have a moment where we make a choice on whether we're gonna take a step or not, God, I pray that you would give us the strength, that you would empower us with your spirit to do those things. And it's in Jesus' name. Revolutionary